chapter 62 of the Kinsman Die podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. And with each episode, when it makes sense, I provide some commentary about the source materials I've referenced in the text. This week, we're back with Odin. His last few chapters have dealt with him cutting out his eye so that he may see more clearly, not only with what's happening to his son Baldur and how Loki is or is not involved in what's going on with Baldur, how Loki is or is not involved in the attack on Halls, which Vidar Odinson is still investigating, and what may eventually happen for the Asir as a people. Readers know from Loki's chapters that he is involved with the Jotun, that he is planning to murder Baldur during the midwinter celebration, and that the Jotun are planning to attack Gladsheim shortly thereafter. Readers also know that the Jotun have discovered doorways that allow them to step from one place to another instantly. Vidar discovered one of those doorways, and readers know that there is one doorway inside Gladsheim's walls, and at least one other nearby. We know this because the Scrymere allowed Loki to see a map of where those doorways exist. There's also a mystery happening. Mimir, Odin's uncle, discovered a ritual in Angerboda's broken-down house. Angerboda is Loki's first wife. Together they had three children, Hel, Jorm, and Fenrir. Readers don't know what the ritual involved other than an apparent invocation directed toward a fang. Readers have also learned that the Norns, who we've met, told Odin and Frigg that Baldur would die if he wasn't protected. That's why they hid his spirit in the mistletoe, which somebody figured out despite Odin and Frigg keeping that secret for a very long time. We saw that somebody cut out the heart of the mistletoe and took it away. What's left on the tree where it grew was just enough to fool the casual eye that the entire plant remained. The Norns also prophesied that the monstrous children, quote-unquote, of Angerboda and Loki would bring doom to the Asir. That is why Odin decided to kill them. But according to the memory Odin discovered while he was staring into the pool of water near Mimir, Loki may have intervened and stopped him. But upon reflection, Odin's not entirely sure he can trust that memory because the water trickling down Yggdrasil and flowing over Mimir is the same water that feeds the well of Urther, that's the well near the Norns, and it was from that well that a spirit arose and attacked him, for reasons that Odin doesn't quite know, but he suspects that the spirit wanted to possess his body. So hopefully that recap makes sense, but whether it does or not, it's time to rejoin Odin. Chapter 62, Odin. Odin sat motionless, his head tilted back under the light of a dozen witch lamps. Through a big circle of curved glass, banded with silver, Baldur peered down at his father's ruined eye socket. Odin ran the fingers of one hand round and round the heavy coils of Draupnir. Loki had brought him the arm ring after a hugely lucrative sojourn into the Svartalvar smithies. Loki. His eye fell on the copy of Draupnir looped around Frigg's wrist, like one of those huge snakes in Alfheim's hot, wet forests. Baldur wore one, too, as did his assistant heir. Angerboda must have gotten a copy of Draupnir, since she'd flung the one he'd given her back at him. 
Loki had his own duplicate of Dropnir, so she hadn't used his for the ritual Mimir, and he had discovered in Angerboda's decrepit house. Dropnir magically created a duplicate of herself every nine moon risings. Unless they needed to mark the promotion of a Jarl, or as a reward for honorable service, every copy was melted down and turned into coins. Each of the copies that had dropped while he'd been wandering were accounted for. He gave most to village chiefs he'd met during his journey, the others he'd buried or flung into deep water. Hold still, father, Balder said, voice stern. So where had that copy of Draupnir come from? Perhaps she stole one, or Loki had. And why exactly did you cut your eye out, father? Balder asked, his tone both respectful and incredulous. To see more clearly. The new hollow in his face felt like a never-ending yawn. Seems counterproductive, Balder said. He handed the glass to Air and looked across the room to Frigg. You did well, mother. The bleeding stopped and the swelling is less than I would have expected. Frigg stood and stepped closer. May I have a look? Balder nodded. Air, if you don't mind? Not at all, Air said. Odin turned his head so that his one eye could see his wife. I'm not some. Oh, hush, she said. I want to see how Vidar's creation works. Frigg leaned forward and looked through the thick glass air held out. She slipped both hands from beneath her feathered cloak and took it. Move it back and forth between yourself and the Allfather, Air said. When his features become sharp and clear and much bigger, hold that spot. Frigg nodded and... Then she was gone, having moved into his blind spot. He could feel her breath on his forehead, though. Fascinating, she said finally. Isn't it? Balder said. I've no idea how Vidar made it, but the sight it grants has given me a dozen new ideas on how our bodies work. Frigg straightened and handed the glass back to Air. So, Balder, how much unhealable damage did your father do to himself? The bone above his eye socket has already begun to knit, as is the nasty sword cut. But this part here needs a couple stitches. He did surprisingly little damage to his eyelids and sockets, so those should heal well, too. Balder extended one cool finger to touch Odin's forehead. Those waters seem to have an effect similar to my own elixirs. The song I sung over Mimir is the same as you had for me, Odin said, shifting in his seat. And it helps that the waters flowing over Mimir are the same as those that nourish Yggdrasil. He raised a hand to touch the empty hole in his face. He could just barely sense the link to his eye, left behind in the pool. Over time, it would go stronger. Balder caught his wrist. Don't touch the wound. It's clean and not bleeding. You touch it and you risk doing more damage. Sir, so saying, what, that those waters heal? Odin lowered his hand and shrugged. Not exactly. They encourage it. Balder was about to ask more, but Frigg interrupted him. Last night, you said you'd have to replace the eye with something? Balder nodded. Nana left before dawn for the goldsmith's shop, the one that sells her jewelry. She said she had something that might help, but that it would likely be evening before it was ready. He turned back to the table and spoke over his shoulder. Until then, I suggest you both rest, either here or back at your house. Just don't move around too much, and definitely don't touch the wound. 
at all. Balder withdrew the compress he'd left soaking in a stoneware bowl and squeezed it so excess elixir dropped back into the bowl. Air? Vlodsheim's chief Valkyr gave a quick nod and picked up a long cloth bandage. Put your head back again, please, Father, Balder said. Balder placed the compress gently, packing it both into the empty socket and on his forehead. Then Air wrapped a bandage around Odin's head, tying a knot over the compress to keep it in place. It smelled of wildflowers, berries, and hot, rainy days. With a quick, efficient nod so much like his mother's, Balder said, That's all I can do for you now. I'll check in with you later. Get some rest. Back at their longhouse, Frigg helped him remove what remained of his clothes and then get settled in their bed. The frame creaked as it took his weight. She stroked his hair. How's the pain? He shrugged. Hurts, but whatever's in the compress is dulling it. Good, she said. She turned at a sound from the door. Gnoll stood there, hands folded before her. Frigg nodded and sighed, and Gnoll slipped away. It seems I'll have to leave shortly to handle some things. She poked his chest with one finger. Funny how the Allfather gets all the respect, but hasn't actually ruled in Gladsheim for quite some time. All the respect? That's not what I've seen. She reached out and brushed his temple with gentle fingertips. Odin, why did you do this to yourself? He closed his eye and let out a long breath. A glib answer wouldn't let him avoid her question. Long before our marriage, I hung myself upon Yggdrasil, seeking power I might use against Ymir. Her hand drifted down, brushing his neck where the scars from the ropes still lingered, then running down to where the spear had split his side. He nodded his head slightly, winced, and said, I've realized that we now face a different challenge. I don't understand what's happening. The Norns have refused to guide me. Mimir was deceived and trapped, and, apparently, the same was done to me ages ago by Loki. Or something else. So Mimir said, she replied. She sat down on the edge of the bed and pushed him gently back against the piled pillows. He told me what you said, that Loki was behind everything. That's what I saw after I broke the charm he'd cast over me like a net. He vowed to destroy everything I'd built, that we've built. Her brow furrowed. Does that sound like Loki to you? What do you mean? She leaned back and shrugged. You know Loki better than I do, but neither of you are much for threats. Meaning that if I were planning revenge, the last thing I'd do is announce my intention beforehand especially to the one I meant to harm. Exactly, she said. So what are you suggesting, then? He suspected he knew exactly what she was going to say. It was the same thing Mimir had suggested. And he suspected it himself, which was at least partly why he'd reclaimed that glade. I'm not saying Loki isn't behind some or maybe even all of these events. But is it possible your memories were changed by that thing beneath Erdur's well? You said yourself those waters all have the same source. If it attacked you once through them, then why not again? I'm not convinced it could have altered my memories. But Loki did, and without you knowing? Seems to me that creature, whatever it is, has more to gain by making you distrust someone you've always trusted. 
It keeps you off balance and pursuing threads that lead nowhere, while also maybe turning a friend into an enemy. The problem is, Frigg, that I can believe Loki is responsible for all this. I did exile his children. What he said in those veiled memories struck a hard note. Maybe he really does plan revenge. She raised a hand. Let's assume that's true. How did he alter your memories? He's never shown that type of Sather before. Also, how did he learn of Baldur's mistletoe? We've protected that secret like no other. Even if he did learn of it, what good would it do to cut only some of it? You can't make a weapon from mistletoe. That's one of the reasons we chose that plant. If he really wanted to kill Baldur, why not cut the tree down along with the mistletoe and burn it all? Those were good points. Also, his involvement doesn't explain the Jotun attack. Not that they're necessarily connected. He would have had to convince the Skrymir along with all the other chiefs to go against their own best interests. If he'd done that, then why did only one warband from Lake attack us? All that does is invite the Hammers strike. And that too is true. The Skrymir would know that. So you're saying Loki's not involved in either plot? That this is a false memory? She shook her head. All I'm saying is we shouldn't blindly accept it. Blindly. He succeeded in keeping the smirk off his face. It always came down to how much he knew. All his life he'd sought and acquired power. But not knowing where to strike made that power useless. He needed to know what was going to happen without relying on the Norns or his uncle or even the shade of his friend's dead wife ripped from her slumber. But until his sacrifice took root and he could swim the realms like his uncle while striding through them in his flesh, he'd have to rely on the tools at hand. You asked why I cut out my eye, Frigg? She nodded, brow furrowing. When we consulted the Norns at Baldur's birth, they uttered a prophecy which we acted on by protecting him with your people's magic. We never dreamed that protecting him might cost Hodor his sight. Maybe our choice did, and maybe it didn't. But if I had known more, if I had asked questions instead of assuming the Norns were kindly disposed to us, perhaps I could have prevented both dooms from happening. So how does cutting out your eye help that? By freeing my sight from my body's constraints, he said. By giving me, us, an independent source of wisdom. If I know enough, if I keep asking questions, keep exploring... Then I can guide our doom just like strongbacks with shovels can change a river's course. Even assuming that's possible, you'll, what, end up choosing a doom for everyone like the Norns do? There are many thousands living in Gladsheim alone, and many thousands more throughout the realm. He met her eyes and waited until he saw understanding hit like his son's hammer. She stood and backed away, shaking her head. I've tried that, Odin. It never worked. But you didn't have me then, did you? It never worked, she said again. I used to tell what I saw, but those I told still died. I'm not talking about preventing death, Frigg. Even we just prolong our lives. I'm suggesting we use that time to pick and choose among dooms we find beneficial to our people, rather than blindly accept whatever the Norns decide. Us. We will decide what happens, not them. You're talking about changing the course laid out for everyone. Is that even possible? 
What happens if what we choose is different from what the Norns have already carved into Yggdrasil's bark? No, not everyone. We start with our son. You think your visions foretell his death, yes? She grew very still, her eyes wide and her hands folded neatly. He reached out and gripped her hands. It's all right. We know he's at least threatened, right? Both from the cut mistletoe, his dreams, and your visions. He gestured at his missing eye. Once Balder finishes with this, I'll ride down to the Gyol and summon Angerboda's shade. She'll tell me how she's involved, and how her husband's involved, if at all. And once my eye takes root, I'll see as much as Mimir does. Between him, your visions, and my own efforts, we'll chart a safe course through the future's shoals. He smiled and leaned back into the pillows. Mimir thinks we don't have any choice at all, that everything is set, start to finish. When I get back, we'll prove him wrong. You and me, together. Head throbbing, Odin craned down at the small gold orb lying at the bottom of the bubbling cauldron. What's that? The fruit of Nana's labor, Balder said. He lifted a hand to trace the silver torque he wore around his neck. Just as this is. Odin glanced at Balder's wife. She ducked her head and smiled shyly. Meaning what, exactly? Be nice, Odin, Frigg said, thumping his arm. To Nana, she added. Don't fret, dear. He's always like this when he cuts out his own eye. He glared at her. This is the orb I'm going to put inside your empty eye socket. Nana made it. Actually, I just recast something I'd already made, Nana said, a faint blush coming to her pale cheeks. If I had more time, I could have made it nicer. Don't be silly, Balder bumped her gently with his elbow. It's beautiful work. The rune work alone is impressive. Her blush deepened, but Odin didn't miss the quiet smile that crept onto her downturned face. He turned to look at Balder. So we're doing this now? Balder nodded. If you're ready, just sit here. I have to make sure the eye socket can handle it. Odin sat facing Sol and lifted his chin. Balder came up behind him and unwound the bandage. The air was chill on his skin when the compress came off. Balder's fingers pressed and pushed all around his missing eye. Any sharp pain? No, just a constant pounding as if Sleipnir were trampling my head. Balder held up the glass he'd used the night before and continued to poke and prod. There's no bleeding. The swelling's considerably reduced, and the flesh is healing nicely. Putting in the false eye should be fine. Are you ready for it? Why are you doing this exactly? Because if we don't, that side of your face is likely to sag and droop. The flesh inside your eye socket may grow and push into places it shouldn't, which could cause pain and future problems. I've seen both happen before. You'd be surprised at the number of eyes lost during the last war. Wearing the false eye should help prevent all that from happening. He looked down at the gold orb. It shouldn't interfere with the sight his sacrificed eye would grant, but if it did, will I be able to remove it? Not until the socket fully heals with the false eye in place, Balder said. And even then, I'd advise against it. You'll have to clean it, and yourself, ideally, before replacing it. He grunted. Weekly baths were enough. Nana, would you take the orb and place it in the cold water for a moment, please? Balder asked, 
She reached into the cauldron with a pair of cloth-wrapped tongs, removed the orb, and placed it in a smaller pot of water. Steam hissed. After a dozen heartbeats, she used the same tongs to set it in the white cloth Boulder held out. May I see it? Odin asked. Of course, Balder said, but don't touch it. The cloth and my hands are clean. He peered down at the orb and the fine runes cut into the gold. It was slightly egg-shaped, with swirling interlinked knots that straightened into three interlinked triangles, right where the pupil would be. More runes were etched between the curved lines. They were the words of the healing song he'd taught Balder. On the opposite side of the golden orb, Nana had cut smaller patterns similar to those etched into the front. Very promising. Once he'd harvested more witch thread and had the time, he might be able to use these runes and patterns to reinforce the link he'd already forged between himself and the eye he'd sacrificed. He looked up into Nana's eyes and saw the nervous concern clearly etched into her features. Excellent work, daughter both in your runes and handiwork. Relief and pleasure flooded into her expression. Thank you, Allfather. Balder smiled at her, then his expression grew more serious. First, I'm going to drip some of my elixir into your eye socket. That'll continue the healing. I'll then insert the orb and place a new compress and bandages. It will feel cold at first, but your body will warm it up. No, Galder, then... Balder shook his head. There's nothing that Song could do at this point that my elixir and your body aren't already doing. Now, lean your head back, please, and hold still. This will feel uncomfortable. He did as he was told. Balder pulled back his eyelids with one hand. He could no longer see anything happening on that side. Warmish liquid dribbled into the gap, the hole where his eyes should have been. He flinched despite himself. Hold still, father. I'm putting the orb in now, Balder said. Nana, please hold his head. Nana wrapped a cloth around his head, leaving his face exposed. Then she took firm hold of his jaw and the back of his head. At the first touch of cold metal against his eye socket, he suppressed the urge to draw away. Nana held him steady, anyway. Balder pushed, gently, and Odin could feel cold metal settle into his head. Not uncomfortable, but the weight felt wrong. That side of his face grew wet as the new eye displaced the elixir. Any pain? Balder asked, daubing up the elixir. No, just feels odd. Cold, as you said. Balder's fingers pushed this way and that, shifting the false eye's position, and placing the compress now. Compress came down, warm and damp. This time it smelled like fresh-tilled earth. Nana's hands left him along with the cloth. Then Balder was winding the bandage around his head again. Balder placed a hand on the back of his head and gently raised him up. Well, how does it feel? Balder asked. He turned his head left and right. The eye had warmed up, but the weight still felt odd. He cocked his head to one side and then the other. Already the anvil pounding was slowing down. That elixir Balder made from Yggdrasil's fruits worked wonders. Feels fine. Little heavy, maybe. Balder smiled. You'll get used to it. He stepped to the cauldron, dipped in a ladle, and began mixing a drink in a small clay cup. Frigg squeezed his hands and stood up, smiling. 
He pulled her in close and held her beside him, arm wrapped tight around her hips. He stared out at the setting sun, reddish gold behind a haze of red clouds. Behind them, Balder hummed as he ground herbs. Metal and clay clacked against each other. All right, mother, make sure he takes this when you get back to your hall. It'll help him sleep. He handed her a small clay jug. He's okay walking? Odin stood up and stretched. I'm not an invalid, Frigg. Come on, let's head back while there's enough light for me to half see by. Funny. He stepped around the stool and caught his son in a tight embrace. Thank you, Balder. My pleasure. You did more than this for me not two nights ago. What else should a father do, eh? He smiled and stepped away. You haven't mentioned it, so I assume you've had no similar recurrences? None. Air stays nearby, though, just in case. Then have her remain nearby until I return, he said, looking at Frigg. And if she has family, why not have room made for her up here through the feast day? They'd enjoy it. She does, and they are already here, Frigg said, her smile tight. He couldn't tell and didn't want to ask whether it showed worry or annoyance that he was issuing orders on matters she'd already handled and he knew nothing about. Ah, of course, he said. Balder said, You're leaving again? I thought you were back for a while, at least through midwinter. He ignored Frigg's obvious displeasure. I'll be back before then. Just a short trip to wring some answers about your condition from a witch. He pointed at the silver torque around his son's neck and held out his hand. And I'll need that, if you don't mind. I... what? Why? He ignored the question. Balder sighed, unclipped the torque, and handed it over. Odin winked his good eye, turned to Nana, and bowed very slightly. And thank you, daughter, for my new eye. The fit is perfect. Well, folks, that was chapter 62 of Kinsmen Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Odin received a golden eye made by Nana, who was Baldur's wife. There was some recap and discussion among those in the scene, but primarily between Odin and Frigg. Next week, we're back with Hodor. Until then, if you have the time and inclination, please rate or review the podcast that helps boost the show's visibility, as does sharing it. As always, I'm going to read from both the Bellows and Larrington translations of the Havamal, the sayings of the High One, Odin himself. Bellows, verse 62. When the eagle comes to the ancient sea, he snaps and hangs his head. So is a man in the midst of a throng who few to speak for him finds. Larrington, verse 62. He snaps and cranes his neck when he comes to the sea, the eagle to the ancient ocean. So does a man who comes among the multitude and has few people to speak for him. There's a footnote in the Larrington translation that reads, Opinion is divided as to whether this is a sea eagle on the lookout for fish as prey or a land eagle who has flown away from his accustomed habitat and so is disoriented. For me, this falls under the category of... That's kind of beside the point. What's more important is the basic analogy being drawn in the stanza, which uh, Kadratov discusses in his literal translation. I'm just going to read the uh, his interpretation. First note that the throng in Bellows and the multitude in Larrington is referring to 
the thing, which is the gathering in which hundreds of men come together to settle disputes. That is, of course, what the sea and the ocean refer to as well. So with that for context, Kodratov writes, We can easily imagine a person looking for allies in the middle of a crowd of strangers. He must be flinching a lot and stretching his neck in his hopeless search. The crowd looks to him like a strange sea, indifferent to his loneliness. And in a way, in this chapter, Odin can perhaps be seen, and in some of the other chapters, as that eagle searching for true allies. Thanks for listening.